The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Wednesday, November 23rd, 2016 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pasca. Trump, Donald Trump, President-elect Donald Trump, in his interview with the New York Times, backed off his pledge to torture because a general told him building rapport works too. This idea was actually out there. It was in the literature. But Trump was told it directly by General Mattis, and I guess before then it hadn't occurred to him. Also told the Times that climate change seems to have some connectivity to human activity. Also not going to prosecute Hillary. And said the New York Times actually something of a jewel. So I guess he's moderating, or we're normalizing, to our great shame. Turning this guy is going to lead us into something normal. But that's a good thing, right? No, it's bad. Washington Post. Trump's new interview with the New York Times isn't reassuring. It's deeply alarming. Greg Sargent says it's good that Trump acknowledged that human activity might be connected to climate change. But the mere fact that this is seen as a major breakthrough is alone a reminder of how worrying it is that the incoming president is someone who previously said climate change is nothing but a hoax. Yeah. Do we really need this reminder? A reminder of how worrying the incoming president is? We thought the guy was crazy bananas. He might just be a bit touched kumquat. I consider it a good sign. They consider it a bad sign. So then what would be a good sign? There are no possible good signs. If something, the fact that he's moderating, is seen as alarming, but also its opposite, the fact that he's not moderating, is seen as alarming. Maybe there's a problem not just with him, but with our designations. Well, I don't even put any stock into what he told the audience of the New York Times because he always just wants to please his audience. He knew this wasn't a crowd that was going to bust out with a chant when he proposed torture or jailing his rivals. So he wasn't going to suggest those things. Though, when you think about it, he might have been smart if he tried one of those. And what does the atmosphere do with long wave radiation emitted by methane and fluorinated gases? Lock it up! Lock it up! And then, emboldened, he tells the table of editors, we're experiencing an unprecedented rise in surface temperatures. And who's going to pay for it? The Mexicans! And who else? Everyone else on this planet! That could work. Seriously, though, all the stuff that he said yesterday or whatever he's going to say or tweet tomorrow or all the stuff that he says through a spokesman or Kellyanne Conway, it's just the last thing a general told him or what he thought of. Now, the appointments, the actual appointments, not the trouting out, I might take this guy or that guy or this lady, the actual appointments, they mean something. They say something. Got your Amway billionaire for education. You got Nikki Haley for the UN. Though, don't you just think back during the South Carolina primary, Trump clicked on the TV, saw Nikki Haley endorsing Marco Rubio, thought to himself, it's like the freaking United Nations up there. And somehow that thought stuck. Maybe that's how Haley got the job. I don't think Trump really wants to run the government. Not a new idea to me. I definitely think he'll like being head of state, all the trappings, the prestige. You get to focus on making America great. The policy, yeah, well, you know, the policy will be what the general just said. That, that's the policy. Although even as head of state, it could get ugly. Take the turkey pardon. Pardoning turkeys, so important. But then, caught on a live mic, I just grab him by the waddle. On the show today, I guide you through Thanksgiving conversations. But first, voting ends for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on December 5th. And here to go through all the choices is music writer, musicologist, if you will, an actual Hall of Fame voter, Chris Malamphy. 
This episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger Show. You've heard me talk about the Jordan Harbinger Show because it's one of my favorites. He does in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating minds. I can name a few. Barbara Boxer, Anderson Cooper, Michael McFall, the Ukraine or Russia ambassador talking about Ukraine. One I recently listened to was Stanley McChrystal, the general, the former general. And he told uh, an interesting story about revering Robert E. Lee. But then, after having a portrait of him for 40 years, he's a 63-year-old man throwing it in the trash. Because his wife says, you know, what that picture and that man means to you, it doesn't mean to other people, and you have to understand that. And then in the interview, they got around to the point where McChrystal talked about that interview in Rolling Stone magazine that pretty much ended his career, where I got to the desk of Barack Obama, and it had McChrystal saying unflattering things about the war effort and just how he talked to his wife and how they decided not to be bitter and not to wallow in. He could have taken some shots at the process, the reporter or the president at that point, but he didn't. It was just an overall good interview. It was facilitated by Jordan's excellent interview style. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you will find something useful that can apply to your own life in every single episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way or discovering a little mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, like the first three letters in hard, B-I-N-G-E, as in how you'll want to catch up on all the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has announced its nominees and the vote is coming up. And once again, if you made a Pandora station based on these nominees, it would be the most schizoid station on earth from (laughs) Bad Brains to Yes, including Tupac, the Zombies. Oh, you know what? After Electric Light Orchestra, why don't you turn on some Jay Giles and then fill it in with Depeche Mode? Well, joining me now to break down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot and in fact, a voter in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame himself is Chris Malamphy. Chris joins us from time to time to take apart uh, the biggest hits of a certain year in pop music. He also writes the Why Is This Song number one column for Slate. Hello, Chris. Hey, Mike. How are you? So in the time, good, I should say. I shouldn't just plow ahead with my questions. But yes. in the in the time since we last spoke of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and now you became a voter. I did. Actually, I became a voter last year after you and I taped our segment last year. I, I was saying things like, well, Mike, if I were a voter, I would yep. do blah and blah. But then... Um, That same year, uh, I was contacted by the Rock Hall and invited to become one of the roughly uh, eight to 900 balloted voters. So you were tapped? Is it like Skull and Bones or a country club? Do you have to be sponsored? Do you know why you got invited? Those are two separate questions. Uh, Was I tapped like Skull and Bones? No. Although I I have to say, given that I was contacted by the folks who run the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it it did feel a little bit like being invited to some kind of club. and, And that was fun. The the question of why, and we can use this as a segue into this year's nominees, is um, they are actually trying to get more folks like me, music critics, onto the voting rolls. The bulk of those several hundred voters are you know, industry insiders, all of the people who have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So picture all those many groups over the last 30 years who've been inducted. All of those members are voters. Steve Miller assiduously filling out his ballot. 
Yeah, well, if, if, if he's not uh, growling, growling and grumping about it. Uh, not you, not you, so pro Rock and Roll Hall. Yeah, no, you may have guy. heard this year that when he was actually inducted, he, he complained the whole way through the process. But in any case, all of the inductees are voters. Uh, a lot of industry insiders are voters. They're trying to get more critics involved in part because one issue the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has, and we can talk about how the voting process works, is that there are nominees who appear on this ballot year in, year out, that are less well understood by a mainstream audience or even by some other rock and rollers on the list. And I think they are looking to put more, I don't know, nerds like me in the voting mm-hmm. rolls because we are the like we are the kinds of people who will vote for the likes of Sheik and Shaka Khan and Joe Tex and Kraftwerk. There's this other phenomenon where you have a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They wanted to define it broadly, can be rock, can be pop, can be rap. But it started to be, well, you have to get all these rock groups in. And then rock groups beget rock groups. And if all the voters are also past nominees, how do you get away from this rockist establishment Hall of Fame? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, to me, I'm a little well-versed at music. Chic absolutely should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Shaka Khan has a great body of work, but remember, it's not just yay or nay. It's, you know, weighing her against some of the other some of the other nominees, like this year, it's Pearl Jam. So if, if you had anyone, let's take it this way. Anyone who's been on the ballot for more than one year who has to get in, who would that be? I mean, I'm sorry to be obvious, but Sheik is the Sheik obvious is one. the obvious one. Uh, yeah. Sheik now, I can say this officially, it was a tie as of last year. It is a record as of this year with their 11th, 11th nomination this year. Sheik now hold the record for the greatest frustration in Rock Hall history. You're the um, Burt Bylevin of rock and roll. Thank you. I'm, yes. I'm going to un- assume I understand what that metaphor means I was going to say there's Susan Lucci other, there's Susan this Lucci's. other Hall of Fame it's like yeah no I know In any case, Sheik have been nominated 11 times, which is basically the nominating committee sending a message to the balloted voters. Hey, guys, we really, really think Nile Rodgers should be in the Rock So and they Hall could of drop Fame. off. There's no formula for who drops off. Like with the Baseball Hall of Fame, you have to fail to get a certain votes. The Rock and Roll nominating committee can nominate and continue nominating whoever they want. Absolutely. Okay. There, there, are, there are no other rules like that. And let's briefly talk about how this works. There's a nominating committee that is mm, two to three dozen people. It's the closest thing to a cabal. Um, this is the part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame process that folks often think is the murkiest and the most suspicious. It's the group of people who decide who gets on the ballot in the first place. Uh, there are rules, of course. You have to have released a recording at least 25 years in the past. It's now 2016, which means uh, the reason Pearl Jam, for example, are finally eligible this year is that their first recording came out in 1991. That is 25 years ago. Ergo, they are eligible now. Um, and I would say that Pearl Jam are complete shoe-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if there were an absolute lock, mortal lock on this ballot, it's Pearl Jam. Uh, frankly, I probably won't use one of my votes on Pearl Jam, not because I have anything against Pearl Jam. In fact, I saw them live this summer and had a phenomenal time, just because they sure as hell do not need my vote. At home, drawing pictures of mountaintops with him on top, lemon yellow. There are a couple of uh, bands or acts on the list that I don't either listen to or know that much about, but I know enough to know that they are the progenitors of genres of music that are huge. Right. And I think of Kraft Verk, where I've maybe mm-hmm. heard one of their songs, or maybe they only have one song. And I only they have uh, several, but, okay, yeah. but there are variations. Or Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. where actually, if you look at how many hits they had, it's kind of crazy. But so on the one hand, you could say, if electronic music, if dance music, if synthesizers are a 
thing. Right. How do you keep them out of the Hall of Fame? But on the other hand, I guess maybe you could say, well, it is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and especially with Kraftwerk, a little bit out of the mainstream. Goodness knows, among electronic musicians, there is no act more influential. Full stop. She's going out to nightclubs drinking just champagne. You know, I, I like to think that there is a holy trilogy of British mope rock, and now all three of the holy trilogy have been nominated. Uh, I call them uh, The Cure, Depeche Mode, and The Smiths. Yeah. All three of those bands have been nominated. None of them have yet been inducted. Sometimes uh, I extend the trilogy to a tetralogy, and I include uh, Joy Division or New Order in that in that list. Well, if you want to think about Erasure, Vince Clark has been responsible for like 25 top 40 hits. Right. I mean, between he, Depeche, Mode, Depeche Mode, Yaz, the yeah. Yaz or oh Yazoo, as they are known in England, yeah. and, uh, and finally uh, Erasure. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if, if Vince Clark, uh, as a founding member of Depeche Mode, would be included with the band because he left after only the, the band's first first or second album. Uh, but uh, Vince Clark was not in the band very long, but certainly that, that's part of his handiwork. I will almost surely vote for Depeche Mode just out of Gen X loyalty. Uh, okay. I highly doubt that they will get in on this first ballot. If The Cure and The Smiths couldn't get in, I'll be shocked if Depeche mm-hmm. Mode get mm-hmm. in. Then there are some other bands like Jay Giles and Journey, which I don't think they redefined music. In fact, Jay Giles was consciously trying to take stuff that existed and just maybe package it a little more modernly. But you could say, look at the number of hits, look at the number of, look at the execution. Fine, they're not visionaries, but their execution was so great. Do either of those bands warrant entry? What would be the arguments for and against each? Well, they're in different categories. The Jay Giles Band have actually been nominated a couple of times before. They are a favorite of uh, Rolling Stone founder Jan Wenner. Not that that should matter, but uh, I'm sure that uh, he has done his share of lobbying over the years. Um, and they are intermittent hit makers. Um, if you are from Gen X or the MTV generation, you may recall their hits, you know, Freeze Frame and Centerfold from the early 80s. They actually date back to the 70s. They were really more of a almost bluesy bar band in the 70s. My blood runs But, you know, they've got chops, and, and I doubt I'll be voting for them on my ballot, but, you know, they're a perfectly respectable band to put on on the ballot. Now, Journey, on the other hand, believe it or not, this is Journey's first nomination. Hmm. Journey have what I would call a Chicago problem. They have never been regarded as cool by critics. And the nominating committee is made up of musicians, critics, tastemakers. It's a small committee. Like I said, it's only about two to three dozen people. But they're exactly the sort of people who would go, eh, Journey, does Journey need to be on this this ballot? But for the first time in 2016, here they are. Don't stop Now, here's where things get interesting. This is the difference in dynamic between the nominating committee, who tend to be a little more refined in their taste, some would say snobs, and the voters, the the folks with ballots. Without a doubt, the voters are going to be more open to Journey than the nominating committee was. Journey have been eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for a couple of decades, but they are only now getting nominated. It'll be interesting to see if Journey, on their very first ballot, get waved into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right away, like Kiss, like Chicago, like Rush, bands that were denied the ballot for years and then finally got in almost instantly. Joe 
Simone Baez, okay, the, she's like the craft work, the uh, the obverse of craft work, a group or band who I haven't listened to that much, but you have to respect everything she's done. Absolutely, and there's another debutante, believe it or not, Joan, Joan Baez. Baez. Joan Baez, who has Her been first eligible from the Rock. Her not in 1991. I'll no, that. that's for darn sure. Joan Baez has been eligible for the Rock Hall Almost since its inception, not quite, but almost since its inception. And this is her first year on the ballot. I just think this is one of those situations where she's, you know, part of the the fabric of, of you know, music and rock and roll. And, and she was taken for granted. Also, I just said the words rock and roll. I mean, I think people think of Joan Baez as a folky. Um, I was just watching uh, the Criterion edition of uh, Don't Look Back recently. And she plays a huge role in that movie, uh, you know, as uh, Bob Dylan's sometime girlfriend and, you know, muse and, uh, you know, fellow. A folk leading light, uh, but I'm not sure that people think of her as a rock and roller, which may explain why it's taken so many decades for her to appear on the ballot. But given that there is an older demographic voting for this thing, I would not be surprised if Joan Baez was another one who got waved in quickly. Joe Tex, is is he just uh, up against all the other groups? Um, you could vote for Joe Tex or you could vote for Journey, or is there a Legends Committee or it's the equivalent, like in the Baseball Hall of Fame, they go back and they, and they induct Negro Leaguers and they induct people who maybe we forgot, but how does it work with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I mean, you're... And tell us who Joe Tex is. So Joe Tex is a, a soul man, uh, very much in a James Brown mode. He had hits in both the 60s and 70s. Probably the hit you're going to be most familiar with is I Gotcha, which was a number two hit in 1972. Total classic piece of peak James Brown type funk. Tex is a soul man, soul man. You know, he's actually been nominated a few times before. I believe this is his third or fourth nomination. He hasn't been nominated in a few years. I would be stunned if he got in. And you're right to bring up uh, these sort of side categories. If the Rock Hall, if they don't get him in this year, the Rock Hall may, may well have to consider doing for him what they did with somebody like Ringo Starr and just sort of inducting him by fiat as, as a, you know, an influence category. Or I, I don't know that he counts as a side man because he was a front man and, you know, he, he led most of his singles. But uh, he is the sort of person who, despite having a couple of serious pop and R&B hits, just doesn't have that name recognition. I'd be pleasantly surprised if he got in. Yeah, you're eligible if you had a recording out in 1991. He had a recording out in 1955. Exactly. So that, Which basically puts him at the beginning of both the birth of rock and roll and the yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the 80s. He died in 1982 at the age of 47. That's right. So that should tell you how long uh, Joe Tex has been uh, influencing music. Now, if you have a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you say rap and hip-hop should be in it, how can you exclude Tupac Shakur? So many battlefield scars while driven in plus cars. It's like it's a rap star. It's nothing without You know, I have mixed feelings about Tupac, and this may be the first year a rapper has been nominated where I'm not 100% certain I am going to throw my vote. I voted for NWA last year, my first year voting. Had I the ballot in prior years, I would have voted for virtually every rapper they've put up. Uh, frankly, so parsimonious have they been with nominating rappers? They have, although I want to say this is one little misnomer. I think when people talk about the, the, the controversy over the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they think that it's the rappers who get overlooked. The rappers have actually, since they started becoming eligible about right. five to seven That's years true. ago, they've done all right. Grandmaster Flash got in, uh, I believe, the first year he was eligible. Run DMC, instantly. Public Enemy, instantly. Uh, they Beastie made Boys. Beastie Boys, instantly. 
recently. Uh, they made NWA wait through four ballots, but they got in last year, the year of the movie, straight out of Compton. Uh, LL Cool J has been nominated, I believe, three times. But still hasn't gotten in. He'll think. he'll get in eventually. LL is, you know. He may seem like a, a sweet, lovable goofball now, but LL in the in the annals of hip hop is an absolutely totemic figure. I think he absolutely deserves to be in. Eric Bay and Rakim have been nominated; they're not in yet. You know, Tupac is as big as a rapper gets in terms of profile. He's somebody like Pearl Jam, who I fully expect to get in in his first year of eligibility, and who I probably don't need to give my vote to. I personally have long felt that Tupac is a more important figure in hip-hop than he is a recording artist. I don't think he ever recorded one fully great album. I can name a half dozen two-pack singles I like very, very much. The fact that he is the only rapper on the ballot this year means that anybody who's going to vote for a rapper is inevitably going to vote for Tupac Shakur, and uh, I'd be stunned if he didn't get in on his first year of eligibility. Now, not to give short shrift to many of the other nominees, but there are some others we haven't spoken of. Bad Brains, Jane's Addiction, we might have touched on, Janet Jackson, MC5, Steppenwolf, the Zombies. You think any of these will groups will, or acts will get in? They're all fairly long shots. Uh, two bands I would group together because they are both, they, they have no hits at all, um, but they are hugely important for their genre are the MC5 and Bad Brains. Yeah. The MC5, uh, you know, uh, started uh, Detroit band in the 60s, uh, hugely Im- inf- That's why influential. That's the they're the Motor City Five. They're the Motor City Five, and they are hugely influential uh, for punk, for hardcore, for, uh, you know, rock in general. They've been nominated before. This is not their first time on the ballot, but they they tend to have a name brand problem. I think they're probably a long shot. I don't think there is a longer shot on the ballot than Bad Brains. I am still in happy shock that they are on the ballot at all. Uh, theories abound. My friend uh, Tom Morillowine at All Music theorizes that, uh, and I agree with him, that um, Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine, who sits on the nominating committee, was probably the reason that Bad Brains wound up on the ballot, and good for him. Yeah. Bad Brains, uh, who launched in, I believe, 1981 or 82, you know, Washington, D.C. hardcore punk band, if, if you're talking specifically the subgenre of punk known as hardcore, there is no more influential band than, than Bad Brains. This is one of those situations where, as they say, it's just an honor to be nominated. I am still stunned that they're on the ballot. Well, I think the least punk rock thing in the world is to accept your nomination or accept your induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, as one of the nominees says, some will win, some will lose. And I guess Joe Tex was left to sing the blues. Chris Malanfi writes the Why Is That Song number one column for Slate. He is above your bribes, but he will accept, perhaps if you leak him, a uh, subterranean version of a Bad Brain song from 1986. He'll give it a listen. Thank you, Chris. I've got time for everybody. Thanks, Mike. And now the spiel, how to talk to Thanksgiving about your uncle. Listen, Thanksgiving, he's not racist, but you know how you're a Native American-inspired holiday? Well, you might just want to play down that part. Like, when he comes over, you'll see. He might call you an Indian, or he might ask, 
wait, is that a Wawa Indian or a customer service Indian? You just got to ignore that, right? That's just him. Don't let it get under your skin. You're, you're still moist, but with the right amount of snap skin. And Thanksgiving, I know that you give him football to watch on TV, but don't get mad when he rails about lack of proper tackling technique or how you get a flag for just breathing on a quarterback these days because in his day, things were tougher. In fact, in his school, they were so tough. After they sacked the quarterback, they went after his family. Yeah, I know Thanksgiving. You and I know that that's just a Rodney Dangerfield bit. And we realize that Rodney Dangerfield got no respect. And that that's what Uncle thinks is going on with him, too. Oh, also Thanksgiving, when he's late, let him vent about his wife's navigation. And I know, I know Thanksgiving, you're here to help, right? And you expect people to say thanks, but he's not going to do that. So when you suggest he use ways, I know it comes from a place of love, Thanksgiving. But this is going to be his response, so just get ready for it. He's going to say, oh, Google Map, Google Earth, Google Map Quest, Wave, Waze, Google Waze. It doesn't matter if you're stuck behind an Asian driver. I just want you to know this. He's going to say that. And also, like two or three years ago, he wasn't even saying Asian. So that's that's progress. That's progress. You get it, Thanksgiving? I know you get it. All right. You know what, Thanksgiving? You're not the entity I got to worry about. What I really need to do is to provide advice for handling election news on the big holiday with someone who might not be consulting the most accurate sources. So this is how to talk to your Macedonian teenager about the election. So you and I know that Hillary didn't kill all those people, but your Macedonian teenager, he doesn't need to hear that. Teens want to rebel. And when a parental figure says, no, Pope Francis did not issue a decree that if you vote for Hillary Clinton, you're going to hell. No, the Pope didn't endorse Donald Trump. All he hears is papal decree, ex cathedra. And he's going to rebel and he's going to want to think that's true. And it also probably won't help to forward your Macedonian teenager articles from Snopes because he already created a fake Snopes account that reroutes from the real Snopes. And that rates the claim that Huma Abedin is an ISIS sleeper agent as true with the with the green ball. Look, Thanksgiving's hard on your Macedonian teenager. We just got through a month of holidays in Macedonia, which are all about grievances. There was October 11th, which was Uprising Against Fascism Day. There was October 23rd, which is the day of the Macedonian Revolution. There was October 24th, which is the day of the Macedonian Revolution Observed. So this Thanksgiving to your teen, it's kind of a shock to the system. It's, it's a day about thanks. It's not about slighting the oppressors. So just deflect. And while you're at it, Another piece of advice, how to talk to Wolf Blitzer about Thanksgiving. First of all, you need to assure Wolf Blitzer that no, John King is not in the next room about to rush out and undercut him by clicking on an actual map that makes a point better in one glance than Wolf could have thought of in all his years. And tell Wolf not to worry. The situation room should always be a safe and special place. And most of all, tell him that what you're telling him is off the record. And then really rip into him for treating a monster like he's just another opportunity to gain half a Nielsen point in the demo. And finally, this is what you came here for, how to talk to your dog on Thanksgiving. You should try to emphasize his good qualities. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? And then when he gets into his cups or his dishes and starts to vent a little, you could make it known that such emanations will not be tolerated. Rufus! Rufus, is that, is that smelled you? Rufus, what have you been eating? And then when he assaults the family cat and acts like it's no big deal, no, Rufus, no, a good dog does not grab pussy. And you can encourage your dog to bring joy to some other party guests who may be feeling down at the moment. 
That is an excellent point, Rufus. Perhaps Mr. Blitzer does qualify to have a companion animal. He could use your help. And you gently correct him and reward his positive behavior. That's a good boy, Rufus. Uncle Kenny's passed out. Now lick his face. You can still taste some food. And there is just one more piece of advice when talking to your uncle, Macedonian teenagers, dogs, or CNN hosts. Whatever you do, make sure they have not heard and downloaded the latest Slate Academy, How to Talk to Supercilious Podcast Listeners, which is now available on your Slate Plus feed. And that's it for today's show. Just producer Chris Berube wants stuffing with all the trimmings. Just producer Mary Wilson wants trimmings with all the stuffing. Executive producer of Slate podcast Steve Lichtai has a back tattoo of Mama Stamberg's cranberry relish recipe. Chief content officer of the Panoply Network Andy Bowers has a back tattoo of Steve Lichtai's back before he got his tattoo. The gist, every day in this space, we mention turkey, however obliquely, well, a part of a Peruvian turkey. But today and tomorrow, I want you to focus on the aspect of turkey that brings us all together, which is family and home and cohesion. And yeah, also the penis. Um, peru, de peru, du peru, and thanks for listening.